0: Go on, bring who I am. Secret, secret, I've got a secret. Machine oh, Secret, secret, I've got a
1: secret. Just amazing. Decades, amazing. decades ago, secret. Sticks with Mr. Roboto, looking into their crystal ball about uh, the future of tech, artificial intelligence, robots, and all those fun things that we love to talk about here on Crypto Fits. I'm uh, excited to have back in the studio with me a friend. We've uh, recorded several podcasts together. One of the uh, most advanced uh, minds that I've ever met. I always tell him that I get smarter just breathing the same oxygen as him, being in the same room together. I'm talking about the one and only G. Thomas Kerr. The seasoned tech consultant, he's a blockchain pioneer. He's crafted a diverse career spanning 30 years with giants like Standard & Poor's and Merrill Lynch. He launched the first NFT enterprise for fine art and led multiple crypto projects starting back in 2013. He is a fervent artificial intelligence enthusiast. Mr. Kerr delves into machine learning and large language models, leveraging his expertise to spearhead digital transformation. His uh, latest book, AI Unleashed, Transform Your Organization into an Intelligent Powerhouse, delves into the influence of artificial intelligence on business. And we welcome G. Thomas Kerr to the studio in CryptoFits thanks jimmy i appreciate that
0: intro always nice to be back to talk with you
1: oh thomas i'm so uh so looking forward to catching up with you we have uh as i said done some really fun informative podcasts that everyone enjoyed and got something out of uh this one today man talk about i don't know if our listeners ever read the book uh, tipping point but everything seems to build new technology new ideas no matter what it is and if it gets any kind of traction it it has to uh start uh rolling down the hill but boy once it starts and that domino effect uh takes place and uh that word of mouth takes place uh, you can't you can't stop it and that seems to be what happened with chat gpt no one knew what chat gpt was uh as recently as a month or two ago i would go to friends who In the broadcasting business And uh, pretty tech savvy And they looked at me Like with this glaze in their eyes About chat GPT I don't know what that is I said do some research Keep your eye on it Because you're going to want to know What's happening And keep up to date With uh, uh, this fast moving tech world Actually came out in what 2019 something like that And then just It seems like Overnight Even venture capital money, people pivoted from wanting to invest in the the metaverse, and Zuckerberg pulled the plug on uh, meta after they changed the name from Facebook to meta and uh, had a whole metaverse initiative. He's pivoted. It's all about artificial intelligence, man, the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: For sure. Uh, If you go back to November this past year, um, that's when OpenAI decided to allow the public access. Mm -hmm. And it caught my attention because we're dealing with machine learning and other tech under the AI umbrella for a while. But the fact they were going to let the public use it was the interesting thing. And my colleagues in the venture capital community, um, specifically in San Francisco, where all of a sudden they were all talking about how big this was going to be. And so we all started to pay attention and test it and there was some mixed results here and there as people started to delve into it, how these large language models worked and you know how uh, everybody could go in and try different things and, and test and see that there's bias and errors and other things. So right away, we created quite a, a, a firestorm of activity and it was the best thing that could happen for AI because you want real users to stress test it like any system, any software. And for me, the, the signal was I was saying to my friends and colleagues around the holiday, um, this matters. It's a big deal. And, and ultimately, um, you should all take a look at this product and see how it affects you. And so I had a colleague in the SaaS business and he said, you know, he says the magic of our software is so awesome when we demo it, but we don't have marketing materials Mm -hmm. or sales channel literature that really tells the story. Mm -hmm. So I said, why don't you send me your domain and what you use now? And I took that into AI and I crafted two direct sales letters for him, sent it to him. And about a day later, he calls me and he says, Thomas, where'd you get this? I said, I generated it with AI. He says, this is better than anything we have in-house. I said, well, now that I know more about your company and can write a direct sales letter as good as your founders or better, perhaps you want to look into this AI stuff.
1: That's amazing. So let's go back. Let's really strip it down for those who uh, are new to even this terminology, what it means, what artificial intelligence is, what machine learning is. Sure. Um, let, let's the, the
0: simplest way to really get into this is to understand that all artificial intelligences in the generative AI world is predictive patterns of output, input, output. And so if I say um, peanut butter plus, you might say jelly. Most mm-hmm. people would. And that has a basis weighting in the world of AI. But some may say chocolate. So there's really more than one answer. But most people are going to say jelly. Yes. <laughs> that pattern determines how AI models work. And if you just get that basic concept down that mm-hmm. all of the pre-trained generative transformer m- models are driven by patterns and that machines are really good at seeing patterns. Humans are good too, but machines are better at it. And if you feed it enough data, which basically uh, in the case of OpenAI's product, they have a huge corpus of data that they have indexed and, and did a machine learning algorithm to make it work. Um Everybody that's tried it has had positive and negative results depending on what they did. And the skill to use it turns out it matters. And so I did a big blog post about the whole pattern for this and i wrote this article about the art of the prompt and its role task format and if you can get that basic concept down you can really exploit this technology and so let me break that down by example role is you want to be act as a ceo you're telling the ai act as a ceo or act as a marketer act as a writer whatever role you want it to do you tell it that And then there's the task. I want you to write a marketing plan for this company or this idea, or I want you to write an episode of this sitcom. These are examples of what you want to do. Then the format is the output. Do I want a script? Do I want a blog post? Do I want a book, chapter, subject, structure? So by using this simple structured approach to prompting, you really can get a very powerful response from the AI.
1: Where does the AI Curate its information, where do they get it from? Do they get it from the internet? Do they get it from prog- programming uh, a team there, filling it up with all kinds of potential uh, scenarios, uh, uh, problems, uh, solutions, right. all that?
0: So, the proper terminology would be what is the source of the training data and how is it trained? Mm-hmm. And this is under the umbrella of data sciences. And if you can understand that, you could feed almost any data set to it both structured and unstructured, you can, in fact, form a large language model around that data set. Um, the The science goes way back, um, machine learning science uh, goes way back to understand how to almost perfect it in a way, which is to use data modeling and cleaning the data, running the model side by side, splitting the data, comparing results, trying to find bias and other things in it um and ultimately if you have good parameterization of the data set you can get much better results for predictive outcome and finding the patterns to work but there's another aspect to it too that uh, data science aren't sure well can we really prove it or predict an outcome at all times the answer is no it has to be tested um I think a lot of the people that tried this early on was trying to see if there's bias and something called hallucination and other defects in AI Mm -hmm. output. And of course, it does appear that there are issues and they're addressing that. And of course, they are going to try to improve it over time. If you step one step further beyond the training data, you get into machine learning and and deep learning, and now the machine is training itself in a way, and as it gains more data, more knowledge, more access, it can actually improve its output. And so this is where we get this uh, concept of an AGI, uh, artificial general intelligence, where it's smarter than the human brain would in terms of reasoning and predictive pattern output. And of course, there's all kinds of science fiction and other fear-mongering around this idea. And singularity, which is the moment where that crossover occurs, is something that's predicted to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And so, the joke among the data scientists is imagine civilizations can be destroyed, but the production of GPUs is holding it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. And so, that's sort of what we're kidding about right now. But there are some real detractors from the technology, and there's some people that are really seeing this as a future. I would uh, emphasize for everybody that I talk to about this that you should use this every day right now the way you'd use the internet when it came about. And then suddenly there's e-commerce and learning and all kinds of benefits. And so AI has the potential to uh, help you with any task you might have. And uh, by practicing with it and using it on a daily basis, you'll see the value.
1: If you uh, download Bard and want to start playing with that program, don't they grab everything on your desktop? And don't they have access to your whole?
0: You have some control over that, however. but but like all user agreements, there might be something in there you don't like, mm-hmm. and so proceed with caution. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use, if you're going to use Bard, which I would encourage, using multiple AI sources, um, clearly GPT four uh, and and Chat GPT three five, they have different. Uh, learning data models. Both the source of the data and the models differ. And you can characterize them by understanding what their purposes are. And it's very important for like GBD-4 to understand that when you're when you're going to pose a question. It's learning data ends in September of 2021. So forward data is not there. Whereas if you use the plug-in, you may have access to some other data sets. But ultimately, that's where the mystery is. They don't fully disclose what the source is and whereas, whereas if you go over to bard uh with google it'd be barber right. that is supposed to be a more of an up-to-date data set but they're not clear on their data sources either so
1: why so why so uh far behind
0: well there's some security reasons for it that they originally did there was this consensus among the ai community that hey we probably should have um some validation and testing and obviously there's the ethics side of this, and this was my big push in my book about uh, corporate policies to understand that you really should have a structured environment about how AI can be used and should not be used, whether it has to do with copyright or restrictions, but getting an ethics based approach to it might be very important for organizations Mm -hmm. that have risks, reliability and such. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that is being you know debated right now and i would say any corporate board or corporate governance should have this as a front and center issue to resolve as soon as possible if you haven't already done it that everyone should be on board with some sort of synchronized policy and understanding well these days as we know part of uh, any kind of deep conversation
1: regarding uh, the state of the world the state of our finances the state of money uh big brother control government intrusion, uh, regulation, um, let's split it up, public sector, government, public businesses, mom and pops, American corporations, government. What's the different uses and what should we be concerned about with AI from a government overreach standpoint?
0: Well, there's some big issues there. Um, I'd probably start with the idea that um, everyone can benefit from using the technology, but understand that there is the potential to go too far or apply it in an incorrect way. And so, for instance, um, there's obviously ways to generate visual art. There's ways to generate music. There's ways to generate movie scripts, there's lots of ways to deploy AI across the spectrum of what's available right now and getting better on a daily basis. And so if you want to write your own episode of Seinfeld, have at it. But don't expect to promote that to NBC or tell Larry, hey, I got a good idea for you, because that's not your property to generate new ideas in and promote. So that's an example of where you have to have some guidance. Uh, and some understanding of what's fair play uh, in generating uh, content uh, creatively. And and ultimately, I I did do a case study. um, Just before I wrote my book, I did nine different case studies, but this particular one was of interest. I took a sitcom, who I know the executive producer of, and I said, um, hey, I wrote a summary for a new show for you, and I just want to get your opinion so I can test the AI strength. And so a few days later, he calls and says, you know, this is really interesting. You took risks with characters and did things that my team really doesn't think about or do. So there's some innovation here. It's kind of just like, what, what, what drove all this? So, well, it's actually AI generated. It's privy to all of your episodes. So naturally, through the patterns, it can generate new ideas. And I did this with Seinfeld and a few others. And it was very interesting to see how cool it is that you could get into the game of writing creatively as perhaps a consumer of it. And now the issue comes into the reason I wrote the book, which is it only knows what the public knows. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have information inside the inner sanctum of that writing core and the show notes Mm -hmm. and the institutional memory and other really important things. And so I explained to my colleague, I said, you know, if you – wrote a vertical LLM, a large language model, on your internal data, it would blow away what I just did with the horizontal data. And this was the reason for my book to, um, for people to understand that the data that you feed it matters and how the training data is modeled matters. And in this case, every business has proprietary data. And if you were to build a proprietary vertical on your data, the potential is enormous to take your business further And uh, if you're, hopefully your competitors are kind of anti-AI in here, you're embracing a cutting edge AI, I think that the outcomes will be self-evident. You'll be be way ahead of the
1: game, (laughs) that's for sure.
0: So this is probably the incentive side of this. Um, But getting back to the ethics side, obviously there's a lot of uh, debate about generative content, uh, accessing photographs and music and all kinds of challenges Mm -hmm. there. And it looks like some of the big players will pay fees to these uh, larger organizations to say, oh, hey, we're using your data, and we've indexed it, and now we're building a model, and so we're going to pay for that. So all of those things are working out. There's a lot of legal happening there. Um, But I emphasize to my colleagues and clients that you have to have a policy of what's acceptable to not get exposure assuming that you're not going to publish your own uh, access, even just using it, you have some risks about what you might do with it. Sure. And so we have seen already several cases of things gone wrong and you just want to stay out of that. But I can't emphasize enough how important this technology is. Uh, Over decades, we've seen some big waves, things like obviously the internet and email and smartphones and, and other big shifts and just changes consumer behavior. This is in that, League for sure. Great and time. the value is tremendous. I think the naysayers talking about it, you know, taking jobs away is one of the ones we hear most commonly. Uh, artificial intelligence is extremely good at tasks. I wouldn't say they're good at jobs, mm-hmm. not at this juncture. Mm-hmm. So there's a distinction for you. But I will tell you that somebody that's good at something and employs AI or exploits AI to their fullest will probably do the work of four to 10 people. Mm hmm. And perhaps do their job better than ever.
1: Well, the, that, to me, that's all positive. You know, positive info. Uh, your book is titled "AI Unleashed: Transform Your Organization into an Intelligent Powerhouse." Now, before I ask you a couple of follow-up questions to that, uh, it's fascinating how quickly when you enter your information into your prompt or prompts. How many seconds or minutes can you have this information back to you?
0: Well, it's Mr. almost Kurt? instant. That's um, what I'm saying. You Most know, this, sometimes there's some that. hesitation there. I guess it's probably a good point to introduce the idea that we uh, collectively as a civilization have been using search and primarily Google search for at least three decades mm-hmm to find hyperlinks and be assailed with ads and other uh, things that you may or may not want to wade through to get to answers. And I'm here to tell you that that paradigm is about to shift in a big way, Mm -hmm. that it is much better to just get succinct answers than to hunt around looking for those answers. And I got a good example of this was, um, I've got some fancy refrigerator in my kitchen that, you know, just can be troublesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm trying to solve the problem. The smarter they are, the more troublesome they are. I'm in there and say, well, I'll just go to the website and just look this (laughs) reset issue up. And, of course, the brand, which I'll leave out, uh, doesn't have it on their website so clearly. So I go to AI, and it knows right away. Hold these two buttons for eight seconds, and the reset mode will turn on, and then hit it one more time. And boom, it just fixed it. It's unbelievable. See, I don't need to go through PDFs and support queues and calls and all that. That's just a big time waste. We asked AI who the uh, first four finishers of the
1: Preakness were going to be. It picked the winner. It picked second. It picked th- it picked fourth, but it missed the third. So it got three out of four. So not too bad.
0: I, I heard that um, the odds were being shifted due to AI influences. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is such a great case study for people to understand that even without real-time data, patterns can predict things. And this predictive nature is what the core of the technology is about, that uh, humans, humanity, and business logic, and everything that we deal with in a structured world has patterns. And although some humans can see those patterns, not everybody does, but in an AI-enabled world, everybody can see these patterns. And so therein lies this moment of shifting the odds on a horse race because you can start to generate patterns and likelihoods and probabilities and outcomes.
1: Share a couple of stories you shared with me. One that sticks out is the guy who was in court Sure. And he utilized AI. He was defending himself. Will you set that up and tell yeah, us Yeah, so
0: he's there with his laptop, and you know the judge is kind of getting fatigued because you know, this guy is representing himself on what is fairly a complex case. And uh, finally, the judge just cuts him off and says, you know, I think you're really trying to practice law here without a license. And he punches it into the AI, and the AI comes back with, if you're referring to the law from 1863 where a human has to get a license, and he goes into the whole detail, it's like, <laughs> well, I'm not a human, I'm a machine, and therefore I wouldn't. Not need a license (laughs) it's kind of an interesting rebuttal to this and and i think we're going to see more of these kinds of moments um you know the legal world is legal in tax and perhaps medicine are three areas where things are so structured and so much about information and relevance to understand it um these are areas that are really going to be having a big impact from ai deployment and i would give the example that um ai has passed the bar exam and, you know, SATs, all of them. And, and and the recent one I saw was the accuracy on reading radiology graphs and all this stuff is, it turns out that humans are very good that are trained with it, but because they're human, maybe they score 87% and the AI comes along at 98%. -hmm. And so I'm here to predict that in the future, you might sit with a, a specialist in medicine and if they don't consult the AI to give the final, you know, prediction here, chances are it might be a form of of malpractice (laughs) because you're relying on a human to get the answer. And I'm sure doctors don't love that idea, but um, they have the reference information because they don't hold the register of every detail. Uh, another example parallel to this would be taking a, a great writer, um, someone like perhaps a Stephen King, who's obviously extremely popular. Mm-hmm. There's no way Mr. King could recall every word he wrote, but the AI knows every word he wrote. Mm-hmm. So Stephen could actually go ahead and continue to write using AI because the patterns are so clear. And then he can decide whether you know this is helpful or not, or maybe he doesn't want to use it. It's up to him. But the fact is, is that it might be better at it than he is for his own voice. And so one of my tests was to do a blog post to ask what Benjamin Franklin I thinks. I was going to
1: bring up Benjamin.
0: Yeah, of artificial intelligence. And and I was really just, you know, spitballing with it in a way. And all of a sudden, I, I punch it and I cue it up using, you know, a structured query. And it comes back with this eloquent letter and it says dear friends as I sit here with my quill pen writing to you today I want to emphasize how wonderful artificial intelligence and how far (laughs) it's come and so it's really tongue in cheek moment but it shows that patterns of information about Mm -hmm. Benjamin Franklin is a there's a ton of information and it's privy to it and you go read all those books and maybe you could write a letter like Ben but the AI already knows all of that Mm -hmm. and these patterns of voice style insight technique, all those things are very easy to pattern with algorithms. And I want to use this term learning algorithm is the core of the engine here. Learning algorithms drive all kinds of things. It's a learning algorithm that shows you what you might want next when you're shopping on Amazon. It's a learning algorithm that shows these other movies after watching a movie you really liked. Here's the other ones that might be of interest to you. These learning algorithms um, exist uh, quite a bit and pervasively so. Um, We just haven't had access to them for, you know, everyday life the way an open ai has delivered and now of course Bard and a few others so
1: i think a lot of people a lot of us don't realize that we have been using ai very in, much in, in in a very stripped down uh elementary school level but still the tech has been around us for many years and a prime example today we were having some issues with uh Uh, a business software program that we use, right? Name will remain anonymous, okay? Good idea. They were on the phone for about, uh, to solve this issue, about almost two hours. For the first 20 to 25 minutes of the conversation, it was the usual, the... The machine asking the customer certain questions to get to get that person to the right person to talk to to solve their problems. Like whenever you're prompted that nowadays to call anything, and you have an electronic uh, answering uh, person on the other end, you're not talking to a real person. You're talking to a chat bot to a chat bot, mm-hmm. and they're back and forth, and they keep asking you, and you finally got to go representative, <laughs> representative. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand what you had to say. <laughs> you know, That's funny. and finally, I'll connect you to a representative. Yeah, they can even hear that They it's gotten sophisticated now, where they can even judge how to respond to you by the timbre of your voice.
0: This right? is such an important aspect to all this that the the real limitation here isn't the technology, it's human acceptance. Mm -hmm. Many of us can remember when answer machines became popular in the late 80s, maybe early 90s time frame where you'd you'd dial someone, you expect a human, you got the machine and you'd change your voice. I'm going to leave a message now. (laughs) And so we didn't know how to talk to machines. Mm -hmm. This is a very human aspect to us that Mm -hmm. we all have this sort of you know, hesitation. Uh, hesitation, And so now, as you move forward, people are more and more comfortable with computing. This generations coming up that just, that's all they know. Uh-huh. So there's a shift happening, right, And exactly. that. So now it comes down to this. If you walk into an art gallery and you see a painting that absolutely grips your soul right. and you're an art collector and now you get to go to, to buy this painting except the gallery director has to disclose to you This painting you're about to buy for $10,000 was not really painted by a human. It's generative, and here's the artist that generated it. And now we have to decide, are we going to write the check or not? And I think that at least half the collectors I know are going to walk the minute the disclosure occurs Mm -hmm. whereas on the other side of that ledger someone says whether it's words or movies or pictures or art I don't really care I want the quality to be there I want something that moves me I want want something that drives me yeah the source isn't as important right in the world of collecting who created the art matters significantly sure. and it's why the art world's so confusing That a painting sells for 100 million dollars because of who painted it not what the painting is mm-hmm. and so ai is kind of have a disruptive moment that all of a sudden many people can generate interesting visuals and obviously there's mid journey and dolly and others that are playing in this space And people are having a lot of fun with it, but will it get to a monetizable level? Mm. And that's a determination by the consuming public's appetite for this. Mm. And will we compensate someone for the generative content, whether it's words or music uh, or paintings? Um, If Frank Sinatra is going to come out with a new album next week, That should be kind of shocking, right? But in fact, it could happen any day now. Um, And uh, suddenly we have something of a challenge. Does that customer, that fan base, want that content posthumously created by a generative uh, platform? And you might hear one of the tracks and be absolutely stunned by it or spellbound by it. And now you may or may not want that part of your collection because you've already dialed in who frank sinatra is to you Mm -hmm. so this to me is much more the friction point than the technology the technology is moving so fast Uh, it's really just shifting everything very very Uh quickly and, and every aspect of life will be affected by it but what will the consumer do what will the preferences be Let's
1: talk about local businesses. You know, people talk about these big companies that are going to utilize this tech, but let's let's bring it down to, to, to excuse me, small business, small independents, uh, uh, retailers, uh, restaurants, uh, you know, small community uh, companies, uh, people ingrained in the community, raising their kids in the community, being a part of the fabric of the community. How are these people going to, and this is part of what your book's about, is to try to open people's businesses' eyes uh, that you need to transform and think about transforming your organization uh, into a a quote-unquote intelligent powerhouse and utilize this tech uh, for the good of you, your company, your family, your employees. Um, Do you see any... Do you see small business grappling with this yet? Do you see them checking this out? Do you see them obviously intimidated by
0: it? I think anybody that uses email or the web is a candidate Mm -hmm. to use AI. Let's Mm -hmm. start there. Mm -hmm. And you really shouldn't fear this or be intimidated or or even take an attitude against it yet. Um, You may personally be affected by it in a way that you don't like. I'll, I'll recognize that. But I'd want you to embrace the technology and try it for productive things that might make your life easier or better. Small business people are always looking for efficiencies and better ways to market and connect, etc. And you can start with a basic uh, marketing communications channel about writing creative headlines and copy and ads and Instagram and whatever you're doing. Start exploiting the AI for that and see how it does for your particular product or service. Um, so that's an obvious one there's more complex or more advanced ones for small business and my favorite example right now would be is anybody that's hired a moving company knows that they tetris pack that truck uh, especially if you you got a certain amount of stuff and we all have too much stuff right Mm -hmm. and so i'm here to tell you that they will pull out their smartphones in the future and scan all your stuff and punch in the truck making model will be in that app and it'll show them how to tetris pack it to not leave a square foot behind Mm -hmm. and so these kinds of real world applications that are a bit of a puzzle for Uh humans is very rudimentary for the ai Sure. So just take that concept across a wide spectrum from AC mechanic to, you know, mover to whatever what I would collectively maybe say blue collar level seems like, oh, this is only information guys right. and the knowledge workers we're always talking about. But it's going to definitely affect everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be very few positions or roles um, in service or, or any sector that's going to dodge this. So a lot of people want to look at the aspect of
1: it, putting people out of work. But when you stand back from it, how much wasted labor is out there in the world? How, much, how many people are, are in a position of a job where they haven't a- added any value in years, okay? They're not about adding value. They're about warming the seat, collecting the next, the next paycheck, and looking good, sucking up to the boss, you know, all those good things. What is this going to do for productivity? I've got to think it's going to make people up their game and actually have to face up to the fact that you've got to continue to educate yourself. You can't go in this world going forward on automatic pilot and expect to be uh, competitive in the marketplace in in whatever your business is. I
0: I would give you some statistical insight here that chances are you have a 30% minimum increase in productivity, having an AI enabled position, um, no matter what you're doing in terms of content or customer service or solving problems, if you're doing design or creative work, almost any of those tasks will be improved with having an AI. Um, the, If you're not a productive person, I think I have to go in the column of AI is not going to fix this. AI is not going to fix people's behavior. It's a tool that enables you to do more. And I had written a blog post about this to take a stab at it about the labor compression theory. Uh, that's A.I.'s words, not mine, by the way. <laughs> I always let it do the titling. And so in this case, its concept is that if you are supposed to work 40 hours per week for 40 years, we'll just use those crazy numbers. Perhaps you're going to do 10 hours of work a week and you're going to work 10 years, but create the same amount of value as 40 hours a yeah. week for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So now the, the question is, how do we negotiate for the value creation and compensation to your boss, your entity, your mm-hmm. your industry, what have you, and there may be a discount going on that maybe they're not going to pay you for forty years, forty hours a week for what you're creating in a fourth of the time, but there will be a, a perhaps a negotiated value there, and so that might be an insight to how labor gets dealt with.
1: Do you see any uh, any business or any sector not being able to use artificial intelligence?
0: well from a resistance standpoint there will be some of that um i don't know if i can give you great examples of it um you know there there are obviously organizations that are going to have um resistance and fear and i'm really trying to get at the executive level people um and colleagues of mine to understand that you really have to foster a positive moment here not to let the fear side of this go crazy mm-hmm. you know um When electricity rolled through in the early 20th century, the farmer said, this stuff can kill you. (laughs) And so, you know, we've kind of been down this road before. Um, You know, fire is dangerous, but yet we need it. Um, You know, there's all kinds of examples, uh, car accident.
1: Crypto. Bitcoin. People fear what they don't know about.
0: The it. blockchain right freaked people out and so it's decentralized terminology. thing. Terminology yeah. people
1: never even utilized the word decentralized before. Sure. I think there's a clear understanding in 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 mass appeal marketplace that now even certain words centralized decentralized that no one ever thought about it from that perspective. So there's a whole new language that's been invented in the crypto sphere, right. and AI is doing nothing but just expanding that language in obviously hyper hyperdrive. Um, do you see a day? Let me get uh, get a little uh, little twilight zoneish here. Um, do you see a day when, and it's when I stand back and I'll answer my own question. Recently. There was a major drone attack in uh, the Ukraine Russian war. All drones. Okay. Now, are those AI controlled drones? And is
0: AI going to power the future conflicts? in the world. I'm sorry, my training data was cut off at uh, September 2021, so I'm not aware of any wars in the Ukraine. <laughs> uh, that's what AI would tell you, but uh you guys can try it, see what you get, but um You know, all of the example, the example you're giving, of course, is a complex mathematically driven reality, which is where computing and computational power excels. Mm -hmm. So that's really the big picture. Mm -hmm. Um, The advantage of exploiting this technology at the military level obviously comes to mind. And obviously nation states are going to not ignore this. Um, I wrote an article about the challenges of various languages being able to build LLMs and be able to create tokenization of languages that symbolic languages would be slightly disadvantaged over Roman driven and Latin driven languages. And so it's an interesting exercise to get into that level. Bottom line for me is that any type of play that has um, any kind of strategic patterned desired outcome. The guy with the AI is going to win there uh, over the human. And even if the human has decades of experience and knowledge, they're not infallible. AI is not infallible either. We accept that in science. It's not perfect. But it's constantly learning and improving, and it never stops improving and learning. Um, I think that's where uh, people start to try to figure out, well, where does this go? Where does it end? And we get into the debate about the uh, AGI and you know the Skynet theories, et cetera um people that are in the data science world um and at the collegiate level whether it's mit stanford wherever there's not as much fear about ai crushing the planet and discarding humans Um, that is much more of an uninformed opinion and i don't want to dismiss it because it's a good debate and discussion to have that everybody lets their fear out perhaps and Mm -hmm. say well what about this what about that and get educated Um, You know, uh, machine learning and and AI and the way that this technology works, it isn't there to do something without it being prompted to do so. Um, It's not sentient uh, Mm -hmm. with its own ideas yet. It Mm -hmm. can form opinions. It's very interesting that you can get an opinion out of artificial intelligence. Um, I think the big one that's debated right now is the uh, somewhat derogatory term of hallucination in the data. And it turns out that hallucinations um, can be caught um, in the data modeling and re- or, or, or repaired or fixed, but sometimes the hallucination is not an inaccuracy. It's just an opinion, you know, about sunsets are beautiful might be a hallucination, and it's talking about a place that doesn't see sunsets, you know, and so it, it's just projecting that. So all of the debate about the safety and the ethics and the moral issues of this um, are are clearly a, a big area for society to grapple with and, and solve, but we can't throw the technology out for some safety mo- notion. And, you know, some of the listeners may be familiar that there was a letter drafted to hold off AI mm-hmm. for six months. Um,
1: Where did that end up? I haven't heard yeah, a that, word about well, it since that came It first was kind of out.
0: dead on arrival in mm-hmm. reality because you just can't do it. I, I, I want to make the case that regulating AI is kind of a – Crazy idea in the first place. That's it's, what I are you are you going to regulate you know mechanical engineering? What, you uh, uh, yeah, yeah, what this, do you want this to regulate? This gets into some interesting reg- we areas. We got to regulate this. We got to regulate um, this. I, I think maybe there's some room for regulation about copyright. Mm-hmm. And certainly mm-hmm. ex- exploitive um, things property. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, there's there's so many examples, but we're we are already p- dealing with lots of bad actor moments um, with the Internet. And cross Stolen Credit has there's a million examples of it. And if anything, on, on balance, AI is going to help that, not exacerbate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'd even make the case anybody that deals with the social media channels who are constantly getting approached or someone wants to friend you or you get getting right. this DM message, right. you can take that handle and drop it into AI and, and just use my structured prompt, uh, act as a private investigator and tell me what you think of this user at Twitter, and you'd be amazed at how quickly – a bad actor you know is wearing a barrel <laughs> it's great and so I, I hope to see that improvement and I, I know there's um, lots of dev interest and in, in pursuing this sort of safety um, concept with AI all right so let's uh, let's talk uh, dig just a little
1: bit deeper before I let you go into uh, your motivation for writing this book what you hope to accomplish with uh, shining the light uh, on, on organizations that uh, that need to uh, keep up with the times, need to uh, run more efficiently, need to get rid of any uh, fat or waste in the uh, running of their operations. Obviously, this, is, this can streamline a lot of different kinds of businesses. Uh, you, as G. Thomas Kerr, came up with this idea, and you have actually... Uh, come up with a, st- a corporate structure for people who, for companies that want to get into AI. Can you, can you dig into that a little bit for
0: me? Sure. I, I think the number one thing for uh, organizations to consider is that this is not going away. Therefore, you ne- need to embrace it in a way that's going to be good for your organization's outcome. Um, policy, uh, corporate board level, having a chief AI officer, having policies encouraging. The usage uh, or perhaps there may be examples where you wouldn't allow uh, the usage uh, of an AI generative content Um, in the case of a dolly generating art, One of my great examples here of policy that when you generate an image uh, on dolly, which is a lot of fun to do mid journey. There's a bunch of them in the case of dolly. They put a signature six block color block in the lower right corner, which is a visual indicator that it is generative. Now, of course, you could Photoshop that out if you don't want it there, mm-hmm. and that might be okay. But if it's there, at least you've been told visually that this is generative. And this issue of, is it you know generative or is it you, this gets into this area that corporate policies need to be clear on. And so you may have a staff of creative people, people that do customer service work, people that um, are involved with gathering information and, and doing analytics. Um so many examples out there where AI is going to really help that organization be better at it, uh, more efficient, and perhaps uh, drive uh, better uh, outcomes uh, because your your staff is exploiting the technology in an ethical and, and strategic way.
1: And a lot of companies might not think that they would need a chief AI officer, and maybe they are not – the most tech they are is when they get the uh, – the, their computer guy to come in and fix uh, <laughs> fix, fix something in their uh, in-house communication system and and uh, and uh, play with their software or whatever. And uh, what are the guys that go around town? Geek squad, you know, get the geek squad guys in. But beyond that, they don't consider themselves being tech savvy or utilizing tech to uh, the best of its uses for for them. Now, they're going to have to switch their thinking a little bit and realize that even if you're not a quote-unquote tech-driven uh, business, that this aspect of tech can really help you in many different ways from inventory to one of the coolest things I I, I heard about uh, AI in New York. There's, and people don't realize, there's an app where you can drive around Manhattan and the AI will show you it's almost like a reverse Uber. Show you where the empty parking parking spaces are. Very cool in your neighborhood. Okay, mm-hmm. that's an AI application. I think most people go through their day who are not tech savvy or not in this space and not really familiar
0: with it. They don't realize how many interactions a day they have with AI. Right. It, it's not easy to detect because it's just all integrated, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, I did m- several case studies, and there are, you can find these all over the Internet where people have utilized artificial intelligence and machine learning to further advance their organization. Um, and, and one of my favorites is the idea that there's downtime in production facilities that have manufacturing is a good example. And so the machines need maintenance. They have a pattern of downtime and, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. a machine that needs to be uh, maintained or repaired. And by taking the data that you likely have or the service facility might have, you can actually pattern out and reduce the risk of downtime and create efficiency. Um, and there's examples. A national uh, pizza chain took all their data, huge amount of data of who ordered what pizza what time of year, what time of the day, all over the country. And they can bring their inventory models so accurate they can produce the the goods in three minutes instead of 17 wow. with a lag and keep the right amount of mushrooms in each <laughs> store. And so I'm fascinated by the solutions that come out of sure. deployment uh-huh. that people don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, there's just a gem in there waiting for you. And my book really was about the idea that using these horizontal LLMs for a daily life to solve your problems is wonderful. And if that's all you ever do, you get a big bang for the buck. Um, But if you really were to take it seriously and build your own proprietary models, which is not that difficult to do at this juncture, you may get something out of your data history in what your company does that will really give you a strategic advantage that nobody could have done as a human being on your staff.
1: Are you going to – let's talk about you personally now uh, going through this experience and uh, your homework and research and writing this book. Once again, G. Thomas Kerr, his latest book, AI Unleashed, Transform Your Organization into an Intelligent Powerhouse. Uh, Thomas, are you going to uh, hang your shingle out on consulting? Can a company officer who's listening to this podcast or uh, broadcast right now – uh, get in touch with you, uh, call you, talk sure. to you. Are you available to go do a Zoom with their company or go in person to uh, address their staff and help them structure something for their company?
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, on LinkedIn is really where you'd find me, Energy Thomas Kerr. You'll quickly find me with a lot of the AI content that I've published, my blog posts, and my background in history and the big brands I've worked with um so i'm certainly open to that Um, alignment is key you know obviously i wouldn't just go to any organization Mm -hmm. in any field but Mm -hmm. um you can certainly make a query i love the engagement and certainly if somebody wants to uh, show me something that's positive that happened from their AI, I'd love to have that as a case study for my research mm-hmm. or if something went wrong, I mean, e- either direction, I'd love to have the engagement on Twitter. We have quite a bit uh, of that going on and it's fun to see uh, how things are unfolding. This is a very fast moving industry and the technology um, is going to continue to surprise us, I think. No doubt. And so I love to get that uh text or dm or whatever of something that's gone right or they've gotten something out of it that's great and, and awesome. i i just love to see those stories so uh by all means i would i would definitely connect with anybody that's looking to have an ai expert connect with them
1: g thomas kerr on linkedin and where is the book available
0: so it's up on Amazon. You can punch my author name, G. Thomas Kerr. Um, certainly That's you can easy. search on AI books. You'll see there's several thousand at this point. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting. You know, the machine learning side of this um, and, and under the data sciences in general, um, there's been so much work. We really are standing on the shoulders of decades of, of R and D. And most people are familiar with the Watson IBM program, where they, you know, did the chess match and some of the early stuff we right, saw. Right. And then there was the patent search stuff. And you know, you really can create new ideas from this machine learning uh, system. And you should try this. Uh, everyone should try it that, you know, we all have, they say everyone has at least one book in them. Maybe you have a book idea and you want to outline it and work with AI mm-hmm. and, you know, try something like that. Or perhaps it's creative writing, um, fiction, etc., cetera, um, or music. Obviously, that's another big one or art. Um. Just take something that you're interested in that you think you can contribute and structure a prompt and work with it. And I think that will give most people a boost to realize, wow, this is like the computer was. If you remember Steve Jobs' famous line that the Macintosh, when it launched in 83, he said that it's a bicycle for the mind was an interesting analogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, without it, you'd be a slower transporter than if you had the bicycle you go much further much faster so fascinating g thomas kerr thomas always
1: a pleasure i always love to wrap it down with you thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience with um, our listeners and uh, we can talk forever and we will continue this conversation as you continue going down your path we encourage everyone to check your uh, linkedin site uh, and uh, g thomas kerr Amazon, all the places you get your uh, your books, Kindle, Twitter, sure, Twitter, It's on Kindle too, sure, everywhere. G. Thomas Curry, he's everywhere. Uh, great job on the book. And you really did an excellent job uh, explaining it and uh, and stressing the importance of uh, of uh, organizations. Uh, Getting into the new game and being an intelligent powerhouse, as you phrase it. Yeah, I, would
0: say, I, I was really pleased to have one think tank in Washington, D.C. use it to train their executives, and I felt that was a nice achievement that That's they could awesome. recognize That's the excellent. value. And so uh, I feel like I've already hit the, the bullseye with the book. So, so what's the next book? <laughs> I'm going to stick with the blogging because everything's moving so fast. The book structure, of course, is, you know, mm-hmm. takes months and then it's up. And, you know, you want to move more quickly. The blog is where I'm really moving my faster ideas. You're so on, you're on Substack? I am. How yep. do we find you on Substack? Um, for Substack, you can just type in my name again. Um, but it's brainwave7.substack.com. So.
1: Brainwave7.substack.com. G. Thomas Kerr. Keep up the great work. I always learn. Thanks, Jimmy. I learned so much going down this path with you, uh, as our listeners do, and I can't thank you enough. Appreciate it. As we go into the future, a very interesting, exciting time, a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Can't be fearful, as we said, right? Thank you so much, Thomas.
0: Jimmy Fitz is Crypto Fitz. Saturdays, 7 to 10 a.m. Classic Rock and Crypto on Q102.3.